please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Palm Sunday is a great day, but it's also an odd day. Because think about where we were, most of us, mentally, emotionally, a half an hour ago. Half an hour ago, we were focused on the liturgy of the palms and singing. And the cry was Hosanna. And then in that last half hour, how your spirit, how your emotion has been transformed. Because of what we experienced in the Passion Gospel. Now, in the life of the apostles, it took nearly a week for that to unfold. Where they were on a high on Palm Sunday, walking into Jerusalem, assuming, at least in part, some of which the rest of the people were assuming. Jesus was coming in to establish himself as the Messiah not knowing exactly what that would look like. And they were bewildered by the end of the week. What happened? And that's why it's so odd for us as we think about, as we walk through mentally and emotionally, Palm Sunday. Because Jesus comes in in triumph. It even says that in the scripture. But in some ways, what's the crowd thinking at this point? What are they thinking? They hear a rumor that this man has done wonderful, powerful deeds. They hear that this could be the Messiah. And then as the week transpires, the combination of stories about him and the Pharisees and Sadducees working behind the scenes probably wore away at the crowd so that the mood changed turned against him. You know, what about the Messiah? I mean, what we know about the Messiah, this guy doesn't fit the bill, or at least the stories that were told during that time. Because think about it. They expected him to be of royal stock, the son of David, a conqueror. And then they hear he's from Nazareth. The Messiah story is not meant to be a rags-to-riches story. An underdog, a Cinderella, he's meant to be a conqueror. And it's not happening. He rode in and nothing happened. So the mood changed. The mood changed. And the crowd changed. Because of their expectation. And so we come to the more serious side. What we have called, and you saw it in the little leaflet, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in many ways, that names what this week is about. Number one, Lord. He rode in as Lord. Eventually he will be recognized by all the Lord again, even though he is Lord throughout. Because they're looking for the wrong thing. Jesus, name means Savior. He came to suffer and die, to fit what Sue read in Isaiah. The suffering servant and the Christ, 
the anointed one, the appointed one to fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament, including the one from Zechariah riding in on this colt, which is what they were expecting. But somehow, somehow it got derailed. But that's his name. And that's what this week is about, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we have this word passion. Now, outside of today, and maybe this week, the word passion in a different context oftentimes means something completely different to us, right? What do you think of when you think of passion normally? Romance. Harlequin novels. I know, not anymore, right? You might think of the road to the Final Four and my team. Mine lost in the first round. You might think of a fruit, passion fruit. You might think of a type of music or food or wine. Whatever it is that you are and would describe yourself as passionate about. Outside of today and this week, Jesus' passion was different than that. There's a twofold nature to what Jesus' passion really is all about. He had just said it in the upper room, which we had just walked through in the last five weeks during Lent. In John 15, greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And you are my friends. That's the focus of his passion. The fact that he came to die for us. His disciples. So he came for love. But the other passion that we talk about during this week of Passion Sunday and the Passion Gospel and the Passion of Holy Week is all the struggles that Jesus went through. The intensity of what he went through physically, emotionally, spiritually. Physically, he went through the scourging the crown of thorns, the slapping, the abuse, carrying the cross, the nails in his hands and feet, suffocating on the cross because that's really how you die. Emotionally, being deserted, betrayed, denied, humiliated when he's stripped. Spiritually, Lord, I came to love this people. I came to love this people. And feeling the crushing weight of taking on the sin of the world. That's what he experienced that week. And that's why we call it passion. What he was willing to go through and the intensity of his suffering for our sin in our place because of love this Friday 
we're going to have a service here from 12 to 3. It's called The Seven Last Words of Jesus on the Cross. It's a traditional service, and we'll have seven area preachers preaching during that three hours. And they will be sharing about these seven last words. They're actually phrases that Jesus says from the cross. And you have three of them in Luke's Gospel in the passage that we read during the Passion reading. And I would like to briefly recount each of these, though you will be hearing more on Friday if you choose to come. The first is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what we do. You know, we take that word forgiveness so easily. We say every Sunday, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it flows so easily off our lips. And actually, there are times in our lives when forgiveness is quite easy. Think about it. If you had children and they're young, like, you know, one, two, three, and they do something wrong or they have an accident, oh, how cute, they're so sweet. And we forgive it and we let it go, right? And then they get to be teenagers. And we're not so forgiving. We don't let it go so easily. We expect something different. Most of you probably have dated at one time in your life. Think about when you dated and what you experienced from the person that you dated. They were so patient. They were so forgiving. And then you married them. And what happened? I mean, it's really kind of fun watching it with your children, right? My son Daniel. There's this Kron's trait of, like, if you're late, you pay a price. And Daniel was like, he was worse than me in our family. You're late, you're in trouble, and he's going to let you know. Until he was dating Natalie. Oh, it's okay, honey. But after they'd been married for a while, hey, Natalie, you're late, come on, let's go. Different scenario. You know, sometimes forgiveness is so easy. And sometimes, in fact, it's painful. In fact, so painful we give ourselves an out. See, I'm not going to forgive them or I'm certainly not going to forget. It's costly. That's what Jesus reminds us on the cross. Forgiveness is costly when we really understand the nature of it. When we really understand what we're talking about. That we are sinners in need of forgiveness. That Jesus is taking our place. Jesus is taking our place. The death of an innocent on our behalf. And what he's saying is, they don't know. They don't know who he is. They don't know why he came. And they're missing the point. Because they don't know. Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. And the question is, do you really understand what Jesus is about? Do you really know in your heart, in your life, in your spirit, why He came? What He did? That we are as if 
the thief on the cross, and Jesus says, no, I'll take your place. Let me read to you from Romans. From Romans chapter 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Enemies. Sinners. Do you understand? See, most of us, because we take forgiveness so lightly or we dismiss it when it's difficult, we don't really understand the cost, the costliness of forgiveness because of what Jesus did for us. And until we come to that place, whether it be in the past or now, that we have an understanding that Jesus went to the cross for us, that's why He went... That's why the passion. That's why he suffered, because he loves us. That we will be those who do not know. Father, forgive them, for they don't know. But that there's two phrases, two words on the cross that Jesus says that are about knowing. The first one, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. With confidence, knowing that this is something that you're going to experience. That's the kind of confidence that he wants us to understand when we understand what he did. Notice it doesn't say that this thief finally knew better, but he knows. He knows. Today you will be with me in paradise. Because he comes to the realization of what his life was. Notice the other thief. The other thief while they're on the cross, the other thief, he says, hey, why don't you call down those legions of angels and rescue us? You know, I just want to get out of this deal right now. It's not exactly being penitent. These guys might have been with Barabbas. The one that was released, the insurrectionist and the murderer. And that's why they're hanging on the cross. And during that time, maybe they heard Jesus talk. And maybe they heard other people talk about who Jesus was. And maybe they observed how Jesus handled his suffering and being on the cross and what people said about him. And something in his spirit resonated, I'm here because I deserve it. I'm here because justice is being done. But I want to hope. I want something beyond this life because I've screwed up this life. So he says, remember me. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom, 
something in his spirit knew who Jesus was. And Jesus said, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. That's the confidence he wants us to have. In his sacrifice. When we come to that understanding that we know, we know we need a Savior. We know we are those sinners. We need his forgiveness and we recognize what he's done. That we come to that point of knowing. And then we come to the second statement of knowing. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. He knew where he was safe. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Just a few hours before he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, I really don't want this cup. Not my will, but your will be done, because he knew where ultimately he was secure and safe and would be for all eternity with his Father, in his Father's hands, in his Father's heart. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He was already committed. He was committed when he came in the first place. He was committed when he did his ministry and only did what he saw the Father do and only spoke what the Father said. He was committed, but at this point of death, into your hands I commit my spirit. He knew where his true security was. It wasn't in the circumstances. It was with his Father. You know, there's another word that Jesus says from the cross. It's not in Luke's Gospel. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only time in all the Gospels that Jesus refers to his Father as something other than Father. He calls him God. And my guess is it's because at that moment when he was struggling and wrestling in his spirit, as he was taking on the sins of the world, and he was feeling that weight... He began to pray Psalm 22. And if you know Psalm 22, how it begins, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you need to know how it ends. And if you don't know it, you need to know the psalm that comes after it. Psalm 23. Let me read to you from the end of Psalm 22. And if you see in Psalm 22, by the way, these prophecies directly about him, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd, my tongue sticks to my jaw, for dogs are all around me, my hands and my feet are shriveled, I can count all my bones, they divide my clothes amongst themselves. He is remembering this was about him. He is praying Psalm 22. Then he gets toward the end of Psalm 22. From you comes my praise in the great congregation, my vows I will pay before those who fear him. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over nations. He remembers the end. And then he remembers the end as he walks through Psalm 23. 
Though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what he was saying. That's why he had the confidence to say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He knew. Do you know? Do you really know? That's the question. You know, sometimes we think we know, and the reality is we don't. And sometimes we think we know and we're convinced we know and we're wrong. And sometimes we even pretend we know. And we don't. And if you think about children, children sometimes think they know and they really don't. And if you think about the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, they think they knew they were wrong. And there were people there are people all the time who pretend to know the Lord and the reality is they don't. Some don't even know that they don't know. And the question is today do you know? And I'm not just talking about superficially. Because if you remember, Jesus tells the parable of the sower earlier in Luke's gospel. With the thin soil, there's no root, and the plant dies before it bears fruit. And the seeds that are sown amongst the thorns and the cares of the world choke out one's faith. We see that all the time. But God wants us producing fruit. He wants us to come to Him as children who admit they don't know. But then we move on to maturity that we become more and more like Christ. That we begin to produce the fruit that He produced. We understand the depth of the cross and the depth of His love. And we begin to live that love Sacrificially. Sacrificially. His life in us. Bearing the fruit that He bore with His life. For the sake of others. Do you know? Because that's what He wants for us. So that we know. Are you committed Are you committed into His hands? Do you have the same passion? Most of us are less than passionate about our faith. Jesus had the passion. That's what led Him to the cross. Do you know? Are you committed into His hands, His heart? On this Palm Sunday, God's desire that you know. This Holy Week, as we approach Good Friday and Easter Sunday, that you know.
who Jesus is, why Jesus came, and what that means for your life. That you are forgiven. That you are loved. That he died for you while you were yet a sinner. Because he wants you to know paradise. And you can commit yourself in his hands, in his heart, for all eternity. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for the gift of your Son. The passion that he has for those of us that are sinners. That he would go to the cross in our place for our sin. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your spirit so that we might know and not question. as the thief in the cross so give us that heart to turn to you to hear you say today you will be with me in paradise to say with Jesus Father into your hands I commit my spirit and to live with his passion and love and bear his fruit Lord, give us your spirit that we would move from being children to grow in maturity to the knowledge and love of you constantly until we see you face to face in paradise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.